Welcome to Taking the Hostie with Abigail. I'm your host, Abigail, and thank you for joining me today. On today's podcast, we will discuss hair, aka your natural crown. According to Webster's Dictionary, hair is characterized as a slender, thread-like outgrowth of the epidermis of an animal, or the hairy covering of an animal or a body part. Um, think Ariana Grande. What comes to mind? What is so distinct about her style? The answer is her hair. Now think Angela Davis. For those of you who haven't listened to my podcast, if nothing comes to mind, that's not a reflection on you, but more so the lack of an emphasis on integral black history. Anyways, Angela Davis played an essential role in the national hair movement that began in the 1960s. She was most recognized for her afro, which symbolized black power and liberation from the chains of assimilation in a predominantly white America. I talk more about her in episode 8, so make sure to check it out if you can. See, the textbook definition of hair does not depict the impact of hair on the world. It simply gives a surface level description of hair and its physical characteristics. However, hair is so much more than the fine thread rooting up from your scalp. It is the natural crown laid upon our head. It is a source of identity, boosting self-morale and self-esteem. Its versatility is displayed through its different forms from the length to the volume to its variety and color. community has been a source of pride and a form of expression as early as the 1500s. During earlier periods, hair established status in society and could be used to interpret marital status, express emotions, and conveyed various cultures. The Atlantic slave trade stripped millions of Africans of their, of their dignity while simultaneously altering the black hair culture. What once gave slaves a sense of pride turned into a mirror of so-called primitive nature. Ever since then, in the United States, African Americans have made efforts to conform to society using their hair. And not just African Americans, um, even Africans themselves, they've gone to extremes to make their hair more Eurocentric. Despite these efforts, a country based on systemic racism still finds its ways to bring that traumatic notion of unruly Africans by deeming what is and what should not be appropriate concerning black hairstyles. You see, Ariana Grande and Angela Davis are known for their hair, yet Ariana Grande's hairstyle would hardly be questioned in a work or school environment while Davis's hairstyle is still viewed as an issue in today's society. Some professional settings such as schools and places of employment have rules set on hairstyles. The limitations range from length to whatever styles are appropriate or not. Styles such as locks, braids, afros, and dreads have been deemed inappropriate. Grooming policies concerning hair should be restructured in a way that does not target black hair since it's detrimental to the black community. It sends a message that hair equals competence and Eurocentric beauty standards constrain the black hair community from their full potential. In addition to damaging self-image, 
Hair policies constrain black students and employees and are detrimental to the self-esteem of the black hair community. Simple comments and degrading policies can damage how a child views themselves. While discussing how hair-based discrimination affects young students, especially black students, Danielle Apugo, a Virginia Commonwealth University professor, argues that it sends the message that your culture and your identity is not accepted. To be deemed as inferior because of a hairstyle championed by cultural roots tends to lead to internalized self-hatred and disengagement of culture. It's time that Black children are reminded that they should not feel ashamed to flaunt their afro, to rock those locks, to thread those dreads, to gel that head, and to parade those braids. You see, hair discrimination is one of the many reasons children grow up rarely seeing other Black individuals proudly wearing protective and natural hairstyles. Yamicha El Sindor, a PBS reporter and journalist, shared a story of a Black Um, news anchor, Brittany Noble, who felt the need to ask her boss if it was, you know, professional for her to stop straightening her hair. The fact that she felt inclined to ask for permission to style her hair in its natural form, to me, is disheartening. Hair is a personal matter and therefore should be a personal choice. Fortunately, her boss said it was perfectly fine. However, later on, this same boss expressed to Noble that her natural hair was an issue. You see, society has been programmed to view natural black hair as, in, like, just, just unruly, just primitive. Noble later relays that it was the equivalent of me wearing a baseball cap to go to the grocery store and that viewers needed to see a beauty queen. Not only did this affect noble self-esteem, but it also affected other black viewers who finally saw an unapologetic representation of themselves on the big screen. Hair discrimination extends into cultural and religious discrimination. Young children, such as nine-year-old Ezekiel Lamont, who's a member of a religion that, you know, says believers should not cut their hair, You know, he shared that his teacher would send him to the principal's office because of his hair. The teacher viewed Ezekiel's hair as unprofessional and a distraction, as if that was not traumatic enough. Ezekiel was bullied by his peers, which led him to cut off his dreads. Ezekiel's hair is more than just a hairstyle. It's his identity. It's an expression of his fidelity to his religious practices. As seen in Ezekiel's case, this messed with his religious pride and self-esteem. When he should have felt proud of being a devout follower of his faith, he was treated unfairly. Unfairness towards black hairstyles affects children and adults alike, screwing with their the view of themselves, therefore affecting future generations of younglings. You see, while hair discrimination affects Um, the self-image of black people, it does not take into account that an individual's hairstyle does not, you know, it does not equal their performance ability at school or in a workplace. Hair is just a natural accessory. It does not do the job or the work, nor does it affect the task at hand. In an interview conducted by Al Sador, interviewee Anwar Taylor stated, Black employees with certain protective hairstyles are seen as somebody poor. 
somebody who is potentially dealing drugs or up to no good. The hairstyle that Taylor is referring to is a protective hairstyle that's known as locks and sometimes dreads. Many people have dedicated years of care, dedication, and patience to grow their locks and have been turned down from jobs, fired, and chalked up to being delinquents. It's interesting to me how someone can conclude that a couple of glued hanging strands of hair translates to criminal behavior. See, assumptions such as these are wrong, and more often than not, they're just, they're, they're, they're just wrong. Like, I, they're just, oh my, like, I, it's crazy to me that I have to explain that to somebody, that, like, my hair does not equate my level of performance at all. Elenia Najiro, a reporter for Education Week, shares a few stereotypes set around black hairstyles. Culturally, certain hairstyles are viewed as standard, and other hair textures are viewed culturally as untidy, unkept, unprofessional, and unscholarly. You hear all the un, un. It's saying that we are not tidy, we're not well-kept, we're not professional, we're not scholarly. You see, society needs to change the narrative and realize that hair has nothing to do with capability. Intellectually, integrity and cleanliness can only be judged by performance and performance alone. Hair is not the determining or the predicting factor of an individual's potential. According to an article titled Natural Hair Discrimination, um, grooming policies advocate the implementation of Eurocentric beauty standards in the black community, which results in harmful physical and psychological consequences due to the fear of being viewed as unprofessional. Many individuals are left to risk facing consequences at school or work for their natural hair or investing time and money to conform to the Eurocentric professionalism and beauty standards. And I want to get a little more into what I mean by using time and resources. So, no hate to people who get their hair straightened, but some people who get their hair straightened, they don't get it straightened because they want to or have to, but because they, they feel the need to do their hair in that way in order to get certain opportunities to fit in and to look more Eurocentric. And that hurts me because I'd rather you straighten your hair because you want to, but not because you feel an inclination to look a certain way or to be a certain way because you've been deemed as not enough because of your hair. To me, being the most authentic individual can take a lot of incur- like a lot of courage. Yet it's hard to gain that courage when you are repeatedly told and shown that authenticity is hiding behind a mask, a version of yourself that is supposedly more ideal. The need to portray professional physical appearance occurs because many black women endure just just rude comments about their hair and feel pressure to conform by relaxing and straightening their hair to compete for jobs or to get an education. There is nothing wrong with an individual straightening their hair. It only becomes an issue when someone feels the need to straighten their hair to be accepted rather than choosing to straighten their hair on their own. This breaks the person's self-esteem, self-image. It hurts their psyche, leaving them to feel less than and just feel that they have to conform. On the opposite side, some might argue that grooming policies are set to keep order within a professional setting. Understandably, it's not much to ask or request that an individual dresses appropriately. 
Others even go as far as to say that certain black hairstyles are a distraction and violate the school's dress code. Apparently, it's actually legal for a school or a company to say in many to um, say in many states that like you can't put your hair this way. And you know, most states do have grooming policies for their employees and, and students. Understandably so. The main issue with the notion that black hair is a violation of a code or is a distraction is that the message that it sends. Basically, it's saying the natural state of someone of African descent is inferior. See, Najaro further illustrates that these grooming policies specifically target those of African descent since white grooming policymakers saw their hair as cannot be worn in hairstyles that are braids, locks, bantu knots, or certain lengths of hairstyles. See, when it comes to these grooming policies in, in hair, they don't list other hairstyles. They list mainly, a majority, like 99.9% of the time, they list, you know, black people hair. You see, differences in hair should be celebrated and appreciated. These hairstyles have a deep-rooted history that come from pain to joy. When these grooming policies restrict hairstyles, they restrict self-expression and downplay Africa's rich and beautiful history. When individuals like Angela Davis and the Black Panthers began to defy hair norms by flaunting their afros unapologetically, they began to take a negative narrative of unruly and turn it into a symbol of resistance, since Black afros defy gravity. Tracy Owens Payton, a professor of communications and African-American diaspora studies at the University of Wyoming, noted that more black people are being empowered to show up to work and to school as their most authentic selves. Slowly, this has led to a natural hair movement and an acceptance of the versatility of black hair by simply defying hair norms. The black community has begun to feel a sense of pride. Punishing students and workers for finally feeling confident in their hair would be a step backwards. Instead, natural and protective hairstyles should be accepted and protected. In conclusion, hair discrimination results in suffering and pain within the black community and sends a message of unacceptance and advocates for uniformity. Now is the time to take courage and to change, make a change that is integral for the future children and employees that have chosen to wear their natural and protective hairstyles. This cannot be done unless lawmakers, policy makers, and you know others understand that the need for protection against hair discrimination needs to happen. Legislation such as the Crown Act need to pass throughout the United States to protect those who have chosen to wear their crown unapologetically and for future generations to have safeguard to have the confidence to wear their natural crown. Alright, so now on Cat Red Handed, we will discuss headlining Buzz and Twitter's thoughts on it. So one of the biggest conversations this week has been about the new season of Bridgerton. Before I get into the tweets, I wanted to acknowledge the music and how they included a lot of women of color um, in the musical aspect of this season. Um, if you haven't already, you should listen to Alicia's Key, Alicia Keys' new rendition of If I Ain't Got You, which has been on Netflix's um, YouTube channel. And the orchestra is all women of color and oh my goodness, they sound beautiful. And Alicia's just singing her heart out and you know, her song If I Ain't Got You is a classic and I feel like it really does 
it's like it's the perfect song for this season um so if i'm being like really honest i haven't watched a new season but i've seen enough videos to like get a gist and like i'm 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 a little knowledgeable just a little bit enough to be like okay i understand what like the conversation's about and like the um the viral like comments like y'all so yeah but you know as for the safety of twitter users you know as usual safety of twitter users i will not use their twitter names but i will definitely read their tweets so the first tweet said no bridgerton couple can top them because their struggles together weren't him lying about being able to have kids or wanting to marry her sister it was his mental health issues and being afraid he couldn't love her the way she deserved to be like i said i haven't watched the last season but guys the clips i've seen literally support this tweet clearly um this um there's there's mental health is a big part of this uh season also this is also based on um true events but based on so underlined based meaning that like it's somewhat accurate but some parts you know they took out some parts they put in for drama purposes but um yeah king george did actually have struggles and he was tortured as for treatment and the torture was actually bad than it was displayed on the show um and we don't really know about like them falling in love and stuff like that we can only assume so much but in the show you know he clearly he he wants to love her he wants to be with her but he's also afraid that he can't because of you know he's clearly fighting some demons and like fighting some very deep internal issues and um he's also the king like he has a big responsibility and he was born into this it's not like he really had a choice and he's battling a lot internally and seeing them overcome that with love and also understanding why like in season two like i'm putting a lot of spoilers out here so if uni want to skip this part skip it i will not be like oh my goodness why would you skip but like in season two we see him come out and we're like i just assumed that he had dementia or some type of like memory loss just to find out that like he he's just mentally he's he's he he went through it um but yeah it makes a lot of sense why like we don't see him as much and why it's basically queen queen charlotte is taking on a lot of roles but they like they love each other and it's just so like i love how bridgerton gets better every season like season one i was like nothing's gonna top that season two oh season two made season one for me just like i was not that it was bad like i can still rewatch season one and two but like season one after season two came out just didn't do it for me anymore season two came out i was like nothing can beat that season three comes out and the clips i've seen have been enough for me to be like this is the best season thus far and hopefully the trend continues and also it's made me want to like go back and read the books because i'm a book girly like if i've read the book i will most likely say the book is better than the movie in most circumstances okay so the second tweet says Corey eating the role of king george just after leaving drama school mind you it's his first proper job in india only being 19 slash 20 years old when filming and portraying queen charlotte don't play with them okay honestly they're like naturally talented and the like the crew and the whole bridgerton project like the people involved especially the people who like were picking roles like they 
knew what they were doing. The actors they picked for the main and supporting roles, like, any simple role, whether it was, like, you're just sitting there, like, doing nothing, you, like, everyone, clearly, there's, like, I don't know what's going on on set, but it's, like, everyone's motivated to put their all, put their work in. It seems like, you know, the people around them are healthy and stuff like that, and I, like, the role, the people playing the roles are so perfect that I can't see someone else playing those roles. Like, the cast is just that amazing. And the fact that, like, Corey and India, like, they're pretty young, just to me, I was like, like, wow. Like, you're so young, but you guys acted like... And, you know, I'm sure they've had experience with, like, drama school, and, and, and I'm sure they've done other plays and stuff, but they played these roles as if they were, like, way older and, like, way wiser. And so they know what they're doing, and I'm really excited to see what else they can do in the future. I think the trend of, like... Um, Bridgerton is not really to bring back some of, like, the couples and stuff. Like, they bring them back for, like, smaller roles, but not, like, main, main, main roles. It'd be nice to see them main, but, like, it's understandable, you know, each, each season's a new story, and we're discovering new love stories. So, yeah. Um, also, the writers are impeccable, and the details are so intricate, and there's so much foreshadowing. I don't think people understand. Like, even in previous seasons, and within seasons, like, through the script, through costumes, through details, there is constant foreshadowing, and I, like, I'm a foreshadow girl. I'm an Easter egg girl. Like, I love, I love when movies, shows, even artists do that in their music. Like, I love that, and I think it's super interesting. So that's all for this week's Caught Red-Handed. So, in keeping in theme with this week's topic, which has been hair and hair discrimination, I wanted to talk about someone who has defied the hair rules, which is Chloe Bailey. She um, is a singer, songwriter, producer, which I'll talk more about in a little bit, but she has locks. Um, Her locks are pretty cool. They're long. She's had them for a long time. Her and her sister both have locks. So, yeah. So, um, this is Chloe Bailey according to Spotify. So she's one half of the Grammy-nominated sibling duo, Chloe X. Halley. Chloe's been active separately as a solo and featured artist since 2021. So like right around that COVID era, you know? Um, the high energy and supremely confident pop R&B singer, songwriter, and producer, and a well-known actress as well, first stepped out by moder- modernizing the show tune, um, Feeling Good. Then, after that, she came out with her first solo debut single, uh, Have Mercy, which is a certified platinum single, so that's, that's a big, that's a big compliment, guys. And then, her next song after that was Treat Me, um, as well as her collaboration with Lotto for the song For the Night, which preluded her debut solo album for, um, her mentor, Beyonce's Parkwood label. So, Chloe Bailey started working on her material for her first long play, which, or most people know's album, in 2019, between um, the time where she was working with her sister Hallie and their duo, Chloe X Hallie, for their albums The Kids Are Alright and The Ungodly Hour. I know they had an EP, I believe, and I'm forgetting the EP name right now, it's not coming to mind, but... Out of those two albums, I would say Ungodly Hour is one of my favorites. There's tracks on there that I still play to this day, and it's criminally underrated. Like, that album is pretty good. So anyway, uh, we already talked about how Chloe's appeared on her own. Um, 
Also, on her song, Have Mercy, she helped produce it, and she was also working with um, a really well-known producer, because in the beginning of her song, you'll hear Murder on that beat, and that's actually a producer whose name is Murder Beats. Um, so yeah, that's pretty cool. And then in early 2022, she was heard on the song You and Me with Gunna. That was an interesting song. Um, and then she's um, been on the song Hello. And that was released by Fivio Foreign on his top 10 album, B-I-B-L-E. Interesting title name. Weird. Anyways. Yeah. And then Chloe on her own delivered Treat Me, which I've talked about. And she helped with that one when it comes to production so like when it comes to her production and her songwriting she's heavily involved and then she released her debut solo album um and i've got to say knowing that she wrote a lot of these and she was heavily involved in the process of making it um is it's a big deal especially for a female and there's literally less than three percent of our music comes from female producers guys so when you take that number and you like think about her being a heavily heavily involved and being a huge part of her production it's like wow like that's that that's a big accomplishment that that deserves an applause um when it comes to her debut album debut album i loved it from top to bottom but my favorite tracks would have to be um cheat back lose you and told you featuring missy elliott um also i love when new artists or like upcoming artists and you know artists of our generation feature missy elliott because she missy elliott she's never lost her touch she's constantly giving and she like she performs so well so i love that i love to see that and yeah you guys should listen to chloe's debut album i've left her socials and her um her music in this description box so make sure to check that out that's a wrap on taking the hot seat with abigail i'm your host abigail and stay tuned for more conversations with me